Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hello and welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline Hollywood. How y'all doing? Uh, man, there's quite a few changes going on uh, with the podcast. One is that we are moving to Thursdays at 11. I know it used to be like Tuesdays at 3.30 and then maybe Wednesday and maybe Friday or whatever. But no, it is going to be on Thursdays at 11. This is to give us more time to sort of plan out the rollout for the guest and just do a little bit more organization. And it also helps the um, production team, you know, get the audio together and we just all thought that Thursday was a better day and it would help us all be a little bit more consistent. On today's episode is Lil Rel Howry, who is a comedian, actor, writer, and producer who has occupied a variety of roles in the comedic space as well as film and television. Now, his breakout role was as TSA agent in the Oscar-winning Get Out you know, horror film by Jordan Peele, and it kind of made him a household name overnight. I remember his role specifically, especially because how he comes in at the end as kind of like a knight in shining armor for the situation. And, you know, he's a he's a really funny guy, and so I don't think that it's a shocking thing that he sort of became sort of this huge star uh, after, after Get Out. And starring in the role... In the film, he was able to garner an MTV Movie Award for Best Comedic Performance in a Movie, and he garnered a nomination for an Image Award for Best Supporting Actor. From there, his career went full speed ahead with co-starring, you know, in roles like in Netflix's Bird Box, Britney Runs a Marathon, Free Guy, Vacation Friends, the six-time Oscar-nominated film Judas and the Black Messiah, and countless other films. For television, he's, you know, been a producer and acted in his own Fox sitcom called Rel. He made an appearance on Issa Rae's Insecure and on Lena Waithe's Showtime series, The Shy. He also starred in the critically acclaimed NBC comedy series The Carmichael Show as Gerard Carmichael's brother, Bobby. Rel was also the executive producer wrote and starred in Gleefully Absurd, a weekly sketch comedy show called Friends of the People on True TV. He's accomplished so much, but none of this would be possible without his career in stand-up comedy. Now, his first hourly stand-up special, Relevant, premiered in 2015 on Comedy Central. The, the show at the time was executive produced by Kevin Hart and was named one of the 10 best stand-up specials of 2015 by Vulture. His second special premiered on HBO in 2019 and his third, the one that came out in 2022, Little Real Howry, I Said It, Y'all Thinking It, which premiered last month on HBO, is out right now and 
you know, on today's interview, he really talks about the mechanics of curating comedy and how strict observation to to other people and his surroundings helped him come up with super hilarious material. And he also talks about how this comedy special is different from all the others because the quickness with which it was produced and the quickness with which he had to come up with the material. It's a really fascinating conversation because he really breaks down stand-up comedy in a technical sense, and it's really interesting to hear. So if you like what you hear on the Scene to Scene podcast, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. And with that said, let's get into the conversation. It's kind of a weird skill set to have, but I've been doing this for a long time, so there's nothing for me just to go on stage and be like, "All right, where we go? That's where we yeah. going." Mm-hmm. And and that's what happened with this with this hour actually. I, I'm just curious how things just because you know, I guess as a comedian, it takes a certain amount of training and just going out there and doing things. But I was a long time, like you know, to sit and like constantly be quick and be on it. And can you talk a little bit about what it takes to get to that point? Well, it's paying attention to your thoughts. Mm. You know what I mean? It's and and it's if you look at it like you're having a conversation with your cousins over the phone or your brother, like me and my brother would be on the phone for two and a half, three hours just talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I actually look at the way I do my stand-up is um I feel like I'm talking to my friends. So this is all the stuff that's going on. Like, you know, it's very interesting. I think if I had time to go on the road and stuff, the special would have been totally different because I probably would have focused on a lot of just personal stuff. Like that's right, what right. it would have been. But because I didn't really have time, and honestly, I've been so busy, I kind of just was happy just to have a conversation with the audience. Right, right. <laughs> it's about like stuff that's going on and top. Like this is probably the most topical I've ever been in my career as far as just talking about things that's happening now. Um, because they feel like everybody wanted to have a conversation about it. I think people right. wanted to know my opinion on things. And this was the first time and the only time I've talked about all that stuff. Wow. So this is like a particularly special, um, you know, comedy hour in, in your career. And that says, you know, that says a whole lot. So when you talk about like having to put something together extremely quickly, can you talk about, because I know you've been doing a lot of films lately. I'm pretty sure there's a certain type of freedom that comes with just being able to get on stage and have a conversation as opposed to, you know, reading a script, you know, and everything being being very specific in particular where you move and where you stand and what direction you look in. Can you talk a little bit about that freedom, so to speak, about how it feels to sort of be, for you personally, how it feels to sort of be on stage, looking out into the audience and sort of doing what you do. Well, that's that's why stand-up is very therapeutic. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, and I, I love doing the movies and TV shows and stuff. I love, I love because I'm able to put myself into those situations. But it is a freedom when it's just you on that stage, you know, and it's, it's something about like just being able to vent things. I think that's why like, you know, I think when you think about stuff before podcasting, you know, the stand up that was basically our podcast. Yeah, like, that was it. it. Was going on stage. So, you know, for me, I was sitting in thoughts. 
you know, even when, you know, you look at the Oscars, for instance, and I didn't say anything about anything until I went on that stage. Mm-hmm. I never didn't say anything on interviews. I said, you know, if I'm, I'm going to say something, this is what I'm going to say it because I can make it whatever I want to be on that stage. And, you know, I think that's why I named it. I said it y'all thinking it. Mm-hmm. I feel like even with my movie roles, I feel like I always represent the audience. Right. Right. And so it's like, cool. I, I think I understand how y'all see this and perceive this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try my best to interpret it that way. So it is a great freedom. But I think this what made this fun because it literally gave me like a day break from playing Santa Claus. So it's like, all right, I'm playing Santa Claus. I get to be grown for an hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really, that's really interesting how how you talk about how you can be your most authentic self when you step up on stage and talk about your experience and <laughs> something that uh, one of the things you mentioned about the the church robbery that happened in New York is um you know something that we still sort of talk about to this day, but the way that you described it, because comedy is not always just about, you know, getting on stage and saying words. I know that that's some people's shtick and it works for them, but you use, you know, your body, you know, your hands, your feet, your movement to tell, to tell these stories. And it looks like you, you know, you seem that comedy and doing it on stage isn't just like a static thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things I think that's what makes me a good actor. You know, I I love acting stuff out. Like, so a lot of times if I take on the character, right, if I can actually understand that perspective. I become the Brooklyn pastor. Like, I can't just talk about it. I got to do what he did. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, it's one of those things that's always been one of my skill sets and one of the things I love about Eddie Murphy. You know, I think people forget, like, if like I hear comics say this all the time, like, oh, man. I'm inspired by Eddie Murphy, but if you look at the comedy, like, but where? You know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't tell stories. You don't act out the characters in the story. You know, that's Eddie's format. And that's what became a format for me with comedy. He's mm-hmm. like, I create the atmosphere, act it out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Create the atmosphere, act it out. It's so crazy. The, 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 the pastor hit me up. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and he was and he was like yo he said it was really funny and he wanted to meet me now i'm like yo, is he like setting me up yeah because I, <laughs> I thought he was locked up for something i don't know what's going on with that guy. but he, <laughs> he he did hit me up he really he really hit me up and he thought it was funny that's what he said so because that's also too i think comedy doesn't have to be mean like even though if i'm talking about somebody and i, and I do that i'll roast or whatever it doesn't come from a uh a place of just being me. Mm-hmm. It's more or less a place of being honest, you know. And so, um, I think, I think that's why I'm proud of this special. I wanted to do something that I haven't seen in a minute. Mm-hmm. And where it's just finding the funny in all these situations. There's so many really cool moments, but another one that stuck out to me when you were talking about like the different types of, of, of black men that there are. And I just came from Thanksgiving and like we had all of that at the Thanksgiving gathering. You know, somebody too old to be wearing skinny jeans talking about Chris Brown. Literally <laughs> talking about Chris Brown. And you know, somebody in a jumpsuit that comes in with the with the Puma you know, track suit. And and it's just you you seem to really draw from 
the experiences that you lived and that you know and that you observe. And I think the special really kind of tuned me into the fact that a lot of it is about observation and then how you interpret that observation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's the it's the fly on the wall thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look at my son, right? My son is, he's, he's 12, I think 13. He's so, like, when you're a child, you just watching everybody mm-hmm. all the time. That's, that's all, that's, your whole childhood is about watching, because you know, right. especially back in the day, they didn't really want you talking. That's why I was a kid's table. But then if you're a nosy kid, you kind of watch how everybody moves. And, and so for me, I've always channeled what I've seen. And the Black experience is so unique to me. And Black characters and Black, like, I think, you know, one of the things, it's so funny because I do all these mainstream movies. And I don't want to say people forget that I'm Black, but I think they forget how Black I am. I'm from Chicago. And I'm unapologetically black. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? All I know is my uncles or my dad and right. what I say. That's all I know. Like that's all my storytelling comes from that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like you know, I, I think it's so unique to like, like when you think about the three black men. That's so specific. It's real, but it's it really what, is. But it's what I say. Like, oh, mm-hmm. dude with the linen out there, he's gone. You know, that's that guy's retired. Right. <laughs> he retired from the post office. He yep, that's the him. Post office. There he goes. He, he always like he on vacation. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that. <laughs> that brother's happy. You know, you got the dude that just came out of jail. Like, okay, he's still doing bullshit, but he like 50. Like, you right, know what I mean? like, right, right. <laughs> and then you got, you know, the dude in the tracksuit who works like 80 hours overtime driving the bus. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like these are universal truths that we see, you know, that are specific to the black experience. So, and I love bringing white people in our world. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Too, like I know that I have that audience too coming to watch it. Right. And you know, it's not about me switching up either. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people do code switch and do all this mm-hmm. whatever they doing to make other people comfortable. But like, I don't care to do that. Like, you know, yeah, I don't try to make us comfortable when you're describing your world. So, right. Here's what it is. How has that been? navigating a business like Hollywood and comedy in this day and age and being and and continuing to consistently be your true authentic self. You know, you know, there are occasions where even I find myself like having to code switch and move back and forth. That shit is tiring. You know, I'm from the Bronx originally. I live in Harlem. I've been born and bred in New York and I'd like to, be that you know but some occasions call for something different and it irks the shit out of me but it is sort of what it is but for you you know how do you navigate that and sort of keep in line with your you know with who you are and your values and stuff is how I was raised and family to the educators family of people who um told us how beautiful black we are mm-hmm. and how we should own that. You know, I think I'm smart and intelligent, so like, mm-hmm. why am I switching? I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the, what's the point of me doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. I won't win that way. And I, I, I surprisingly, I've been able to be myself. Because believe me, it hurts me. I watch, I watch people like the, the Tonight Show and stuff like that, and I'm watching them 
change their dialect. Like, man, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, just, <laughs> it drives me crazy. And I'm like, mm. and I've never had to do that. And that's because I've always trusted my voice. Right. I trust my voice. I'm comfortable with who I am. You know, I'm a black nerd from the hood. Right. Cool. <laughs> that's why, like, you and, like, Ryan Coogler are some of my favorites. Because, like, you go on stage, you sound the same everywhere. And I like that. I like, you know, I prefer consistency and the people I'm observing. And so I'm trying to just sort of, you know, go by those who lead by example, you know, being a, a journalist and having to go in these different circles, you know, I don't want to have to adjust just because, you know, it makes others feel comfortable, you know, um, because my comfort is also important and your comfort is also important too. So um, going back a little bit, you talked about like, you know, being a child and observing and sort of being a sponge uh, and absorbing all of these different things. Were you like a, a comedian growing up? Like, in you know, were you the class clown or whatever? Or did this, is this something that sort of developed later in life? Because I always question whether or not being funny is something that is innate or something that people are taught to be by their observations so to speak yeah i mean look I, i'm a nerd of tv film and stand-up first of all my friends were the class clowns like they were the ones doing all the silly shit class clowns i mean they just do dumb shit and so like with me it was a little more of a skill set to that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, my boy would be doing all this stuff with people laughing, but I might just do Michael Jordan for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or Robert Parrish or Dennis Rodman. Like, that, that's the stuff I was doing in high school. People like, yo, it's called my, like redoing a teacher or making up a... Like, right. I used to make up characters at home and couldn't wait to go to school and see what everybody thought about. Mm -hmm. That's the shit I was on. You know what I'm saying? And once again, that's because I was obsessed with Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Like at a young age, I mean, I, I read Richard Pryor's biography, uh, Pryor Conventions and Other Life Sentences. I had to be like 13. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, I, I, I've always like, dude, I, I was very specific about my comedy. It wasn't even about if everybody got it. Mm -hmm. It's like, right, if I create this, let me see what the class thinks. And people thought, that's why the people who was in those classrooms, they are not surprised as to what I do. <laughs> They're like, oh, we always knew it. Yeah, it's like, but it was specific people because everybody didn't know that I was doing that. Mm -hmm. I only cared about like a little small audience mm -hmm. of friends. I'm like, oh yeah, they, they like this. Uh, and so, you know, but no, I wasn't even like the class clown, I think. It's so funny, one of my, my homeboy who is the class clown, he does stand up now. And I, I, I know he probably started stand up because he saw me doing it. He's like, wait a minute, if he's funny, I know I'm hilarious. It's like, nah, it ain't that easy, Playboy. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a it's a weird structure to this thing. And to really execute this correctly, you got to be honest. You know, I, that's one of the things I love about. Like, I went to dinner with Gerard Carmichael last night, and we were just talking about our specials and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, his is so raw and honest, like like honest. Mm -hmm. You know, yesterday he was like, well, real, I'm waiting on you to do one of those. Like, yeah. And the only way to do that, I'm going to have to go on the road. I can't do that. Right. Because now I'm going to have to deal. Like, 
in this special, you saw me talk about therapy a little bit, but it's the way I can really dive into that if I right. had time to like really go on the road and just ah, right. You know what I mean? And so I'm excited about that. That's that's what this next special gonna be when I start working on it. I'm gonna go more personal than I've ever been, and I'll see where it goes and see what comes out of it. You know, you really make a good point because I like to think of myself as someone with a interesting sense of humor and people have been like oh you know you should try comedy or whatever i'm like i my i don't think not everybody's funny translates to going on stage and talking about something you know mm -hmm. i like to crack a joke here and there whatever and sort of move on i think there's a misconception about what being a comedian is and that it's just like stepping on stage and just going ham and saying whatever you know, that it doesn't take a certain level of skill and, and intelligence to sort of create something, you know, sort of linear and something that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that, you, interesting that you pointed that out. Then the next thing I wanted to ask is, is there anything that you can pinpoint that you learned from being in television, from being in television and film that you have utilized in your comedy, in your standup, in the way you execute mm -hmm. things? So interesting because I think it's like the opposite where like stand up and prepared me, you know, like character work is so important. Mm -hmm. Like the way I milk a joke, first of all, like some of the best people I watch milk a joke, I think about JB Smooth, mm -hmm. who's one of my favorite comedians of all time. And the first person I learned how to like milk, like to like ring, get everything you can get out of a bit. Um, but I think that translates to what I do in film and TV. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, I've been able to take who I am as a comic and put that, like, you look at Get Out. Get Out is like stand-up to me. Mm -hmm. Like that role. Like, it was, felt like me just doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. Which is why, like, I love working with Jordan Peele so much because as much as I thought everything was scripted until I reread the script, I'm like, damn, I freestyle half this shit. I made a movie, right? You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I respect him because he he gave me that space to do that because he trusted my skill set. Mm -hmm. And my comedic skill set has really translated to film and TV. It's, you know, the skill, like, for me to say I just did an hour special and I didn't prepare for it, it's just this, I can fall into a world easily. And just when I'm in it, you know, it's a, I think that's why I'm excited about these next projects, you know, next five or six projects you see me in. I'm really, I've gotten really good at diving in inside the world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, the movie that really got me to start really zoning in on that was Bird Box. Mm -hmm. And that's because... <laughs> And our director had us like stand. We didn't even go to our trailers. Like we was eating lunch in the house. Like I really, <laughs> almost thought everything was happening outside for real, right? You know what I mean? I was almost paranoid shooting that movie because mm -hmm. I was. They kept us in that house the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like even when you died in the movie, you just left. Like nobody said bye. It wasn't like, hey, that's a wrap on real. He's gone. You just go. <laughs> you know so. It, but then I learned, I'm saying, oh, bang, I'm diving into this world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what's happening. So, you know, I, I actually had to learn how to get out of that, too. You know, that was one of those things where, like, I had to watch Jim Carrey's documentary, 
that he did about playing uh, Andy Kaufman mm-hmm. and how he really dove into it. And he had to figure out a way to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And Bird Box was the first thing that I really, like I had to like not talk to my kids for like a week until I was like good again. Cause I was like, I couldn't even talk to them while I was shooting it. Cause I started, I started talking crazy cause I was engulfed into this, into this world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, wait a minute, I can't talk to nobody. Let me finish this movie. And I'll talk to people because I'm saying insane stuff to people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, right. let me get through this and, you know, figure it out. But um, but then, I, you know, I've learned to just dive into that, you know. And I think that's that's crazy that, like, stand-up and acting is all translated to one thing to me. But then, once again, I look up to Eddie Murphy. And Eddie... He's character work, man. I, that's why he's one of those people. I I'm shocked all the time that he doesn't have an Oscar for Nutty Professor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he played like six people. Right. Like I don't know what a best actor is. I know somebody's having a conversation with himself. Mm-hmm. Should be and, and <laughs> six it, times. Believable. Six. He's literally bouncing. Like that's that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I was watching it again recently, and I was just like, like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like. How is this not the best? What? So y'all gonna get somebody a best actor for doing one thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, it's it's, but it's from that school of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. I've learned to just really, you know, because of stand up and and the TV and film, to just dive into the world, and it's so important to dive into it because you get your best performances out that way. Visualizing the future of stand up comedy, what do you see? in the next three to five years, if you can think that far ahead to where comedy might go or where you would like it to go? That's a great question. I mean, look, the reason why I did the special the way I did it this time around was why I went more topical to prove again that our job is to make things funny. Mm-hmm. I think for a minute we got it, everything got really speechy. Mm-hmm. It felt like these TED talks. I think between what Gerard did with Rathaniel and what I'm I did with mine, and Gerard said something very fascinating yesterday. Cause we were just we we get man if we could be a fly on the wall one of our dinners and us talking about just art, mm-hmm. uh, it, it goes there. And he's so brilliant. He's so smart. He's one of the only people I trust their mind like I can talk to I'm like and so we realized that comedy hasn't really existed them haven't even existed that long mm-hmm. as other art forms like music and so it really hasn't you know it's just it like if you think about the 90s was really when it took took off this took mm-hmm. off especially for black comedy mm-hmm. so it's still fairly new right like we still like which is why like you're still seeing like the cats who we call the best try to figure, people are still trying to figure out how to do it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like literally, how how do I be a movie star and still do stand up? Like right. and, st- and, st- and still be funny. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm rich and famous, like this is all still new. And so I'm hoping for the next three to five years is once again, number one, let's let's get more more of these voices out here. Mm-hmm. It's comics out here who's on the grind every single day. And it's nothing that really exists anymore to get them a platform like a comic view, like a Def Jam. We need that back. Mm-hmm. I've been working tirelessly on trying to bring 
something like that back because I just believe is I've been watching random comics going to like open and they like they have such great voices because right now we only listen to the same people right which I think is a problem you know what I'm saying I think it's a problem when it's like we're only gonna keep seeing Dave Chappelle every time and it's like it, it can't just be Dave mm-hmm. can't just be Chris. You know what I mean? Because also they become an older black man. So mm-hmm. you know, at some point they can start talking crazy. <laughs> they are tired. You know what I mean? So like you, you want to hear some fresh input. Mm-hmm. You know, people who still on a grind to make things funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's I think in the next three to five years if if I'm given the opportunity to bring one of those shows back, I think I'll do a good job of introducing comedy where we can take whatever we can talk about and make it funny. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm proud of the way I talked about the Oscar slap because I it was from this very honest place, which is very interesting that Will Smith is making his rounds again because, you know, the new movie coming out. And so weirdly enough, it all ties again where it makes it relevant again. Because I still think it's weird that Chris ain't talked about it. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think it's weird. It's something, it's something weird about all of it. Mm-hmm. And I really hope those two, and I know this don't have nothing to do with anything, but I really hope those two brothers talk. You know, I think Will, Will's a human being. Well, what he did was messed up, but he owned it. Everybody, every, everybody got to own what, how they participated in that. Right. And you know, Hollywood is filled with people who have greater transgressions. Mm. It's just that those are the ones that we haven't been able to see on television. So, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's been apologetic and everything. And I understand that, you know, from a comedy standpoint, everybody's going to see it differently. So. I mean, comics were mad, you know, and like, oh man, that's but like, yeah, but what, what joke, some, every joke don't need to be told. Yeah. And not everybody's going to take your joke. And everybody going to take your joke, especially if you already been kind of like poking the bear. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just a very. I feel like sometimes we think we're protected by just our words. Sometimes you're not. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like no, nah, everything got consequences to it. Once again, nothing, what, what Will did was terrible. I mean, he shouldn't have got up. I mean, that whole situation is crazy. I mean, that's why I, I yeah. talked about that one time. It's like, it's just, you know, I still never understand how you get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've seen people get kicked out of church. Right. Speaking of that, like, I'd rather they get kicked out. <laughs> just assaulted a person. Yeah. Let them, security ain't walk them out. He just sit down and chill and talk to them. Uh, Tyler Perry and Denzel doing a commercial break. And he got up and got his award and did a speech. I mean, it's, it's like, I've literally seen people get kicked out for way less stuff than that. I got kicked out of my seat yesterday because somebody was being rude. Like, it's just like, you know, I was at an event and, you know, just you're, you're, it's interesting how those things happen and those things sort of unfold before you. And again, the word, you know, being that kind of observer, (laughs) just seeing it is like, oh my God, you know. I mean, that's what makes it funny. That's what makes everything funny. Like my whole special is me observing, Mm -hmm. you know, me being at the, Bone Thugs, Three Six Mafia versus. You know, I was there. I was just there. I people watch all the time, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I'm sitting around. I go have lunch, and I'm just like making up stories in my head about people. 
Mm-hmm. Like I do it all the time, like all the time. And I think once again, that ties into like why I'm able to deliver these characters on film and TV because I know who they are. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, all I'm doing is just becoming somebody I saw walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, can you tell us anything about any of the future projects that you're working on? What yeah, I go to Yeah, so gang of stuff. Um I did a show called Poker Face with Ryan Johnson, you know, who did Knives Out. Mm. Uh, it comes out in January. Very excited about this. This role is something opposite of what I've done before, and I love it. And I'm excited for everybody to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, every episode feels like its own movie. And so it's it's a lot of great guest stars in the show. It's so good. Uh, so I can't wait for people to see that. Uh, I just wrapped on Vacation Friends, too. Mm-hmm. Honeymoon Friends. And... You know, sequels, you could be like, oh, sequels. But, yo, this is it's insanely funny mm-hmm. and so different from the first one. So, mm-hmm. excuse me, can't wait for people to see that. Um, what else I got? Jeez, I got so many movies. The Murder Mystery called Reunion. I starred in and produced. I'm very happy about that. Can't wait for that. The Outlaws. I can't wait till they announce whenever that's coming out. It's a movie I did with Adam Sandler's company. Uh, Piers Brodson. Uh, it's it's a great movie. Man, you done starred with them and you know worked with them all. It seems like that's really I'm, great. I'm you, it ain't. I'm, we got Dash Through the Snow, the Christmas movie while I'm playing Santa Claus. I'm literally really playing Santa Claus next Christmas. We got uh, Harold in a Purple Crayon, mm-hmm. which was supposed to come out in January, but it's been testing really well. Mm-hmm. So now they want to put it out in June for that blockbuster summer thing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that and then uh, what else did I do? I guess I mentioned everything. Yeah, that's it so far. Uh, Southside comes out mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. I'm back on there for season three. So yeah, I thank you so much for for coming on to the scene to scene podcast and being so open and honest about you know the way that you execute and the way you go about comedy you you sort of gave me a new perspective on you know what comedians think and sort of what the pace is like and I really appreciate that that honesty and sharing that information that you know most people keep private which I totally totally get um thank you again and congratulations on all the projects you're doing I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to Southside coming back because that's funny as hell I love that show and (laughs) uh, thank you so much I appreciate you. Thank you so much.